church, his presence. Let's lift him up right here. Presence is an open door. We want you, Lord, like never before. You sing it as a prayer.
Continue to worship today as you're still standing. The time and service where we get an opportunity to just continue our worship and giving. To continue our worship as we partake of communion. Jesus said, as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me, man. So we have stations that are up front here, stations along the side of the wall. And I just reflect on the verse that we sang, and it said, you are the treasure I find. My reason for living, so let my life become an offering to the one who is worthy. And I thought about you are the treasure I find. And Matthew talks about the kingdom of heaven as like a treasure that is found in a field. And I keyed on the part where it said, and when he found the treasure, he put it back. And with joy in his heart, he went to go get everything that he could get to be able to buy that field, right? So with joy in his heart, he gave up something. All that he had for the kingdom, for that treasure that he found. So today, just reflect on what Jesus gave for us when he died on the cross and brought us that eternal life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we welcome you into this place. Holy Spirit, we ask you to do only what you can do for only way you can do. You mend our broken hearts. You empower us to go be witnesses for you. Thank you, Lord, for giving us all, all that we need, all that we could ever desire. Let your will be done. Let your kingdom come. In Jesus' name.
What's up, church? You guys had an awesome week? Okay, two of us did. That's great. That's great. Pray for the rest of you. Have a better week next week, all right? Man, we're glad you guys are here today uh, and excited about what God is doing. And uh, I want to put a plug in. Next week, next weekend is Labor Day weekend, okay? And so I know that Labor Day week is a long weekend, so typically a lot of people uh, get in the last weekend trip of the summer or whatever like that. Guess what? We thought of you. We thought of you, and so we started Thursday night worship just for you, so that you could come to worship on Thursday night before you leave town, and uh, we've already been in this a couple weeks now, and it has been awesome. I mean, incredible crowds, and so I encourage you, uh, if you're going out of town next weekend, uh, check out Thursday night worship this week. Why do we do Thursday night worship? Because we're doing everything we possibly can as a church to make it hard to go to hell from Shelby County, Kentucky. All right? So that's what we're doing, what we do, okay? Hey, and this Thursday night, we're having cookout too. So get here at 6 o'clock. We're having uh, burgers and dogs and everything on the grill, and it is going to be a really, really, really cool vibe. So I encourage you to be here for that. We are also excited today, really excited, uh, because our newest staff member is in the house. Would you welcome our new student pastor, Ray Brewer, sitting right back here? Yeah. All right. 
He has still got, uh, pray for him too, he's still suffering from U-Haul lag um, because he drove up from Tampa Wednesday, not like, well, Wednesday and Thursday, like I don't know how long it took him to get here. Uh, but we're glad he's here. And shift for our middle schoolers is starting back up today, next hour at 11 o'clock. Uh, so if you've got a middle schooler in your house or know where there is one, uh, 11 o'clock is going to be our shift hour uh, for middle schoolers, especially for the sixth, seventh grade. They're kind of making that transition from elementary uh, into that. So here's our question. Are you ready to get better? Okay, so the three of you that are can come sit right down here and we'll talk and everybody else is like, are you willing to get better? See, here in this series, we're, and we're talking about what it looks like to get better because we established last week that there are no perfect families because there are no perfect marriages because there are no perfect people and so if our goal is to get perfect we're always going to come up short but if our goal is to get better we can always be successful at that and so what we're trying to do in this series talking about family and then some of the things about family is we're working really hard to get better and it's all kind of based on uh jesus walks up to this paralyzed guy in, in, in uh, matthew chapter uh, uh in matthew chapter seven, john chapter five and he comes up to him this guy's laying by this column and he's laying by this pool of water kind of away from the pool of water but the 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 teaching was and what was happening anybody that got in the pool of water when the water started stirring got healed from whatever and so jesus walks up to this guy and says hey do you want to get healed and the guy says to him yes i would love to but every time i get to the edge of the water somebody beats me into the pool and they get healed and and he's like well then why don't you stay by the edge of the pool because the reality is, listen, if I, if I was crippled and I knew that getting in that water was going to heal me, that's, that's what it took, and I got to the edge of the pool, I ain't moving. I'm just going to lay right there. Next time water stirs, I'm rolling over, I'm healed. It's all good. But here's the deal. Here's the deal, and here's why this is so significant. The fact that he got to the edge of the water, but Jesus found him over by the columns again, tells me that he can't move on it. He had to get help to get to the pool, which means he had to get help to get back. He was right at the edge of being healed, and he got people to take him back to where he was. How many people do you know that were almost there? They had almost conquered their addiction. They had almost gotten their whatever together in life. They were right at the edge of the pool, and they went back to where they were. Instead of staying right close to where something significant could happen. So this series, we're going to say, do you want to get better? Do you want to get better? Do you want to get better? Do you want to get healed? Last week, I showed you my uh, my incredible architecture skills. And the, the, here's the most amazing part of this of this Lego balloon house. It's still standing. That's incredible. That's incredible. If you weren't here, this thing right here and the camera's trying to get 653 pieces in, well, 652. I lost one of them and did it anyway. So anyway, 653 pieces and still together. But we said, this is kind of like the balloons. and like This is like the ideal white picket fence, ideal dream house. But a lot of us don't feel too much like that's what we've got. It's much more of a mess. And so we talked about that. This week, I've got another, uh, another image. How many of you have ever played the game Jenga before? That's a lot more than the guy that's talking about it. I ain't never played the game till the other day when I got it to work on this illustration. But here's the, here's the deal with Jenga, okay? If you don't know how to play the game, Jenga is this perfect, solid, stable block. It's a stack of, I don't know how many towers, of three blocks each. And, they're, they're, and so your goal is to try to figure out which pieces you can remove and the tower still stay stable. The fact that that worked is amazing, all right? Uh, like, let's see if I can get lucky again. <laughs> You're telling me bad move. It's still standing, dude. <laughs> I'm not touching it again the rest of the service, okay? But Jenga, the whole premise of this is you start with stability and you try to remove things which would create instability and still have it remain stable. It's kind of a, it's kind of an interesting thing. Well, I found on the internet this guy named Kelvin. K 
Kelvin calls himself the manga man. He does the, go back to it, he does the exact opposite. Notice what he's, he starts with one, now these are bigger blood. He starts with one and from that point of instability starts building on it. And so he's making things that look really cool like sculptures or go on to the next one. Look at this one. This one he's got tilted on an angle, one block on the other. And so everything on there is an angle. So every time he adds one, he has to add things that are balanced. And so he's working from a point of instability, trying to create stability. Go to the next one. Look at this one. This one's so big, it had to, he had to remove a ceiling tile to get it up through the ceilings, okay? Look at this next one. This next one is so cool. It's on a golf ball. How in the world do you do that? How in the world do you do that? This guy set, set a world record for the most Jenga blocks stacked on top of each other, starting from a point of instability. Would you like to see it in time lapse? It's really cool. Okay, hit that time lapse of this. Watch him do this. And if you, in your mind, you want to be playing the Jeopardy theme tune, that'd be cool too. Let's see. Now watch, in a minute here, you'll see it start to move a little bit as it gets a little taller. And in case you missed the first that we decided we'd add it to where you could see him start all over again. Look at it. Now here in just a second, it's went, see it teeter a little bit there? Stay with it. Stay with it. It's 1,500 and some of those blocks. And there you see it move. And he's almost done. He's almost there. He's almost there. He's almost there. Last six blocks. And he got it. New world record. He goes to get his camera. He wants to be taking a picture of it. And... <laughs> well, yeah, the world record for 10 seconds. <laughs> that's pretty incredible. Now, here's the reality. Here's why that's so important. Jesus talked a lot about building on a solid foundation. And as we just saw, if you don't have a very solid foundation, it might look good for a while, but the chance of it getting tipped over is incredibly high. Matthew chapter 7 is where Jesus talked about the, the imagery. In the Sermon on the Mount, he used the imagery of the man that built a house on the rock and a man that built a house on the sand and the house built on the rock stood firm and that which built on the sand fell flat. And then in Luke 14, he talked about the importance of having solid plans even before the foundation. So if you got your Bibles, I want you over to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, we're going to start in verse 28, okay? And, and better is not about building towers, but about building relationships. That's what we're really interested in. These are just images to help us understand, but we're really working on building better relationships. So look what Jesus said here, though. Jesus is talking, Luke chapter 14, verse 28, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would what? Laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Now, here, I, I hope nobody's laughed at you, okay? But for some people in the world today, they start building a relationship and everybody that's in their life is like, said, no, you're not ready. They're not, you're not, y'all are not doing this right. So they're not counting the cost. They're not doing everything they need to get ready for that relationship. And people wonder why things topple down. People wonder why marriages topple down. People wonder why their kids don't turn out the way they had dreamed or their grandkids. And a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times it's because we haven't spent enough time on the foundation. We've been worried about the pretty instead of that which is unseen, that which is underground, that which is the stable rock that things are built on. There is a guy named John Van Epp who has written a book called uh, Becoming Better Together. Actually, I think it may be out of print, although you can probably Google it and find some of it. 
But it's all about how healthy relationships are formed. And he has developed, he, he was a pastor and, and a psychologist and counselor, and now he's just a speaker and author. Uh, but he takes all these skill sets and puts them together. And he's developed what he calls the relationship attachment model. The relationship attachment model. And there's five components of it. And I want to walk you through those five components. And then we're going to come back and see how they function together, okay? And, and so if you want to jot these down, or if you want to wait till the end and take a picture, that's fine too. All right, so here's, here's the first thing, and that is to know. That is to know. The first part of this relationship attachment model, which is building a strong relationship, is to know the people that you are in relationship. And it's a result of sharing thoughts and dreams and feelings and experiences in the day-to-day context. It's really getting to know someone. It's, it's having conversation, but it's more than that. Those of you who are in a relationship that have been in the relationship for a while and now are at the point in your relationship where you don't even have to say words. Sometimes there are looks and there are actions that communicate very completely and it's kind of a good place, but it didn't happen right from the start. It happened as you got to know each other. It's the quality uh, of communication. You know, last week I asked you, I ask you to touch your ankles. And we talked about that if if I saw that you could touch your ankles, there was no point in me to ask you to touch your nose because if you could touch that which was the farthest away from you, you could obviously touch something that was closest to you where your hand is. And we talked about how that we compared that to how if Jesus could, could redeem the worst in our life, our sin issue, then we can assume that he can touch our nose and heal our problems today as well and take care of our problems today. Well, I want to talk about another touch thing here. If you do this for me at the same time. You'll, you'll need both hands for this. I want you to simultaneously touch your heart and touch your head. All right? <laughs> There's a story about monkeys that I'm thinking of right now. Anyway, <laughs> that's not very far, is it? That's not very far, is it? In fact, but those are the two most critical, those, those, those places are the two most critical places in your body. Because what's right inside of here and what's right inside of here determine whether or not you are actually what? Still alive. (laughs) If there is no activity here, and some it's less than others, but that's a different story and a different sermon. But if there is no activity here and no activity here, there's a white sheet involved somewhere, right? It's not good. But so they're not, and they're not very far apart, but yet sometimes bringing them together they might as well be on different continents because our head is telling us one thing and our heart's telling us another or vice versa and and we don't know which to follow and this idea of no is all about bringing the head and the heart together and getting ready to really know things think about how circumstances change in a relationship the, the things happen day to day stuff happens you know you get ambushed with something that nobody saw coming and, and the only way you're going to be able to deal with it is to really know each now, I would also say this, this principle is true not just in, in dating and in marriage relationships. These same principles would apply in the workplace. You, you want to have a good work environment Monday through Friday or whatever, and that person that sits on the other side of the cubicle or the person that's on the line next to you, the more you know about each other, the more you function together. In athletics, it works. Teams that really do well typically know each other really well. They kind of know what the other person's going to do, and you hear them talk about that. I just knew which way he was going to go. I didn't have to say anything. I just knew it. And so they function, but that happens because they know each other okay let's go to the second one all right the second one is trust all right now what's the difference there knowing or trusting is taking what you know and doing something with it it's a feeling of of confidence it's a feeling of security. I can trust this person. Once again, go back on the athletic field. I can trust that this person that's next to me is blocking. They got my back. Or I, I can trust in, in on the battlefield that this person that's going into battle with me, that they got my back. In the marriage relationship, guys, listen, I'm going to give guys, this is, this is worth your coming today. This is worth you getting up. These two things of confidence and security are critically important 
to your wife or soon-to-be wife or want-to-be wife or whatever. They want to have confidence in you, and they want, they want to know that you're going to keep them secure. That's one of the reasons why the Apostle Paul, when he's describing what love looks like to the men in the church at Ephesus, he said, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and was willing to what? Die for it. Because when, when that person that we love knows that they can trust us to the point of we would be willing to die for them, it's going to change the dynamics of the relationship on a huge, huge level, okay? Trust doesn't just come from what you know. It's what you do with what you know. And I want to give you three more T's that kind of go along with trust. Three more T's that help us to be able to get to a point of trust. And the first one is to talk. You have to figure out how to get to know each other how to get to know each other. And so I was working on this uh, at home on Tuesday, and I'm typing, and uh, and Kim had the little girls over at the house babysitting, and they came down to, to where I was working on the sermon. And so I thought, oh, I'm going to try this with Brielle. Brielle just turned five. And so I'm like, Brielle, Poppy wants to get to know you a little bit better. I think I know these things, but tell me, what's your favorite color? And she says, Poppy, you know, it's pink and purple. And yellow. She, I don't know where, I'd never heard the yellow before. I was like, okay, okay. Thursday night, she was in here with her mom and dad for worship. And so I, I started talking about it. I said, okay, Brielle, what's your favorite color? You know what was first? Yellow. So I said, I, it was a great point. I was like, you know, it's important that we keep having these discussions because what we think we know about someone might change, especially with a five-year-old. It might change within the hour. But then I said, what's your, what's your favorite food? What's your favorite drink? What, what do you like to do the most? What's your favorite TV show? And I just spent about 10 minutes just asking my five-year-old granddaughter questions that I thought I knew, but I wanted to know, what, how would she answer those questions? What if we did that just in all of our basic relationships? And maybe it's not as simplified as things like color and favorite food, but what if we just spent time like, what do you think about this? And, and trying to talk so we get to know each other more. The second thing, the second T under talk is together. <clears throat> Some of you guys that know me know that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a real list person. I, in fact, I, I have developed my own weekly template. Uh, I've got it saved on an Excel spreadsheet. All I've got to do is change um, the date for each week and change the specific items. And I've even gone to the point now that I know the things that I have to do every week. So they're already automatically on the template. And, and I just add things like meetings and different stuff that I have to do through the week. Because I need to be able to visually see and check it off my list and know that I did that. I did that. Oh, I still got to get that done. And this year, starting the first of the year... I just, I just been praying about it and just think about how important uh, Kim is in my life. And so I literally have on my spreadsheet now on my everyday list of things to do, time with Kim. And I've got seven boxes right next to it for the seven days of the week because I need to make sure that I spend time with the one that I love most on this planet every day. She was out of town this week. She was out of town taking care of some business and some things like that. So we weren't, we weren't together physically, but trust me, we talked every day. We talked every day because I want to know. I wonder what's going on. What's going on? How are you doing? Where are you going? And sometimes, it, it, some, we're 60 years old and we're like teenagers sometimes because I'll just call her to tell her I'm going to McDonald's just so that she'll know. Or that, hey, I'm, I'm coming across town. You need anything? Because I want the one that I care the most about, not only to know that I'm talking to her, but that I'm spending time together and I'm listening to the things that she is saying in her life. Because the, four, the third T here is time. Over time, it's too easy just to take things for granted. You know the old saying, <laughs> I told you I love you the day I married you. And if that ever changed, I'll let you know. <laughs> you know, what's up with that? And Rome wasn't built in a day. It takes time to build a long-standing relationship that won't fall when the test of time come. All right, let's keep moving across this thing. All right, the, the third one is to rely. Now, I spent some I spent some time really listening to this guy teach and reading some of his stuff because I wanted to distinguish between trust and rely. 
And trust is, is that, that ability to, I believe that they're going to do something. I, I, but, but trust is more about what we think and rely is about what we do. I mean, we talked about, we talked about, remember when we used to do that trust fall thing? Remember that? You know, somebody'd stand behind you and you were supposed to like cross your arms and now they got all the crazy, funny YouTube, TikTok videos about the person that does this and then falls forward instead of backwards and that doesn't work out too well, you know. But, but really when you think about it, when you're standing there and, and you say, okay, I'm going to fall back, it's, it's all right here, right? You're thinking. I trust that they're back there. I trust that they're back there. I trust that they're back there. But when you actually fall, you are relying on them to catch you. You have, it's like, it's like trust on steroids. That I am really relying, relying on this person that they are going to do what they said they're going to do. Okay, so we get to know them. As we get to know them more, we get to trust them more. As we get to trust them more, we actually rely on them and put things into action. And then the fourth one, then we can be willing to commit to them. You got me. I'm willing to make a commitment to you because I've seen these things. I've seen these things. I not only know you, but I trust you and, and I rely on you. And But here, here's where we got to be careful though. Because we immediately think, okay, commit, we're thinking vows, like our wedding vows. But I'm going to give you three P's, and I want to kind of break those down uh, of, of parts of commitments. The first is the promise, which is what takes us to the wedding vows. Like I think, okay, yeah, we, we made vows to each other. Yeah, you know, I, I remember when I first started doing, when I started doing ministry, and I remember the very first wedding I did, you know, I had my little minister's manual, and I'm kind of reading word for word because I really didn't know what I was doing, and, and I'm reading through it, and we get, you know, the traditional wedding vows of, you know, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, and poorer, and sickness, and in health, and, and that was just what we did. That's just what I did. That's what I did. Well, then, you know, later on in the 80s, as things started to people started wanting to write their own vows. You know, the first time somebody said something to me about that, I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. Okay, write your own vows. I made a huge mistake the very first wedding that I did that did that. I didn't read what they had written before the service. <laughs> it was just like time to do that. Like, hey, and so and so and so. So they're going to exchange vows. And they've written their own vows. You go first. And she started talking about all the things that he was going to do in their marriage. Uh, yeah, I think you, you missed something there. And then he did the same thing. Oh, you're so beautiful, and I thank you that you love me and that, you know, you're going to be the mother of my children. I'm like, yeah, that's what, you got this wrong. And, and so now I kind of like push, force the traditional vows because you know what, here's why, here's why. Because when you're giving those traditional marriage vows that we say all the time, you know what you're doing? You're saying what you are willing to do. I love you for better or worse, for richer, for poor, and sickness and in health. That's my promise to you. Because guess what? You're the only one you can control. You may think she's hot and, you know, and he's like, you know, fine, like we talked about last week or what, but you're the only one you can control. And so when you make those promises, you need to promise, what am I going to do? What am I bringing to the table into this relationship? And here's the other cool thing about it. When you have that and you have it in a, in a, in a public wedding setting, every married couple that is sitting there is hearing those same vows repeated that they probably repeated. And they're being reminded, hey, we're in this, we're in this, we're in this. You're my ride or die, girl. We're we're in this for better, for worse, for richer, poor, sickness and health. We're in this, and when they hear somebody else repeat that, they're like, "Yeah, I did that. I did that." And so, so we're in this. I've told you guys this before. One of the huge things, 
One of the huge things that Kim and I did, and we've done a lot of things wrong over the years. We've done a few things right. One of the huge things that we did right was before the week before we got married. This was back before, you know, your cell phone had your dictionary on it, and we actually had those red ones from Webster's. You know what I'm talking about? So a few of you know, and they're like, what? What's he talking about? But they actually used to make those things in paper. They really did, I promise you. But if you were to find one of our dictionaries, and you start flipping through the dictionary, and you get to D, and you get to I, or D-I, and you get to D-I-V, you cannot find the word divorce in any of our dictionaries. We cut it out before we ever said I do. Because it is not an option. It is not on the table. When I promised her that, now I do stuff that ticks her off and she does stuff that I think is wonderful. Um, (laughs) You thought you had me. No way. (laughs) I ain't going down on that one. It's forever. It's forever, okay? Uh, and the, the second P is priority. And, and, and this kind of commitment can't be just one of many commitments. It has to be the priority. Marriage, outside of your relationship with God, the, the number one, the priority, the priority thing on the horizontal earth-filled relationship has to be your marriage has to be that person that you said I do with and you have to make that commitment if you want God's blessing on your life now I'm not talking we don't we don't serve a God that has lightning bolts that is waiting in heaven for you to screw up because if that were the case we'd all be toast all right but if you want God's blessing on your life you need to and you're living with someone you need to be married to that someone and that relationship needs to be the priority in life even above your kids and your grandkids. Now, they're wonderful. And and, and if you would like to do it as a bar graph, you can't slide a piece of paper in between how much I love my wife and how much I love my kids. But trust me when I tell you, Evan and Sean both know full well their mama comes first forever. And the grandgirls are figuring it out that Kim is first on this planet in life and that needs to be a priority and here's where it gets sticky because sometimes marriages don't work and and sometimes we go through divorce and divorce is not the unforgivable sin and we move on and we have re- new relationships and we think about getting married again listen this is going to really tick some of you off and i'm sorry i'm, I'm sorry and, and i'm sorry if you're about to jump into a second relationship and you can't put that marriage ahead of children you may already have don't do it don't get in that relationship because if you jump into a second marriage but you tell that person you tell that person i love you i want me but my kids are most important thing to me then you have doomed that marriage to failure from the get-go if you're going to do it that person you say i do with has to be number one here on this earth if that's not where you're at, stay with us. We got a few more weeks. Maybe God will work on your heart and do some incredible things, all right? So promise priority presence. You need to have Now, it would be wonderful. In in fact, my favorite place for Kim on Thursday night and Sunday morning is sitting right there. It's sitting right there. Cuz I can look in her eyes and know if I just said something stupid. <laughs> And, and she has full permission to interrupt me with a certain look in the middle of the sermon if I'm standing up here and my pants are unzipped. She's the one I'm counting on. You know? So I wish she was present with me all the time. I, I wish she was with, hadn't gone, had to go out of town this week without me, but she had to take care of some stuff. I wish that we could physically be in each other's presence. But right now, she's teaching our third through fifth graders. And those of you who have third through fifth graders, you want that to be happening right now. Because they're probably getting a better message than you guys are. I wish she was present though, but here's, you know what? She is. She is always present right here. And right here always whether she is physically in my presence or not she is always right here and if there is something that you would do if your spouse isn't physically present with you that you wouldn't do if they were don't do it 
and think about them. Next time you're tempted to do something that you wouldn't do if she was there, then think about her and don't do it. Because that's what presence is. That means we are always together, even if we are not physically together. All right? So what do we got up here so far? We've got know, and we got trust, we got rely, we got commit, and then we got touch. Touch. That's a great, great, great part of relationships. Amen. Amen. I always count on certain, you know, okay. But guess what? Guess who created that? The maker of everything created, and we all know which touch we're talking about, right? That's why we have children's programming right now. But anyway, here we go. God created all of that, but he put it in a certain priority, and that's why it's last on this list. See, when we do touch in that romantic kind of way, there are chemicals like oxytocin and dopamine and vasoprocin, and they're released in your bloodstream, and they, they, it was designed that way, and you have certain feelings that are caused by those chemicals racing through your body, and that is a wonderful one. God's the one who put all that stuff together. So God is all in favor of touch when it's done right. The problem is when we activate that button before we activate the other buttons and we get things out of order, the results can be devastating. Here's something I noticed this week that you may never have noticed. Look at that word touch. You ready? You can't spell that word without the word ouch. That's tweetable. (laughs) And when touch isn't appropriate, there is often pain that becomes generational and gets passed on and on and on. And so we need to get these things right. All right. I'm really going to draw this together. That's all introduction. All right. Here's how it all goes together. What if, what if each of these five things had a slider? Like, like the soundboard back there, those guys are on. What if each of those things had a slider? And, and, and as you started progressing in a relationship, you moved that bar a little bit. And that's right there. That's how it should go. Because if you didn't figure this out when we we're going through it, they move from left to right in terms of uh, priorities. It starts with no, and then it goes to trust, and then rely. And so those sliders, they should go up. They should increase a a little bit in that order. They should go that way. They should always go that way. And no should be the, like at the top of the one, okay? Because until you get to the point that your relationship is so awesome that all five of them are all the way up, it needs to be a line like that, okay? But here's what happens. See what just happened? Well, we got to know them, sort of. We went up, and then all of a sudden, because we knew them a little bit, we started trusting them. And then we started trusting them with things that we shouldn't necessarily, weren't ready to trust them with. And then touch got in the picture well above, look look how much higher touch is than commitment. You know how many people in the world today that their touch lever is well above their commitment level? And we wonder why we live in a messed up world. Why stuff's going wrong? But then go to the next one. Here's what happens. When that touch thing goes all over, notice, notice red, and if, you, if you're in the back and you can't see, it says, warning, warning, warning. It's like that, you know, warning, you know, the ship is about to crash, it's about to go down. And it's all because in our relationship attachment, we got the levels out of order. We started moving things first. Well, that's depressing because I know that there are certain, I'm not going to say which ones, but I know there are certain levels in my life that are out of control. What do I do? So if you've already messed that up, you know, are you doomed? No, not at all. But listen very carefully. It's going to take work to fix it. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some processing. But we all need to start in exactly the same place. Wherever you are on on that scale or just in relationship-wise, wherever you are, single, single, 
dating, single, uh, engaged, married, parent, grandparent, whatever your relationship status is, we all need to start at the same place. Every one of us, we all need to start at the same place. The Bible gives us that place. It's in Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, verse 34. Jesus is being questioned by the Pharisees. He was originally questioned by the Sadducees, and he kind of like, he kind of like showed out against them, and they had nothing left to say. And then when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. And one of them, an expert in religious law, this guy, this guy's the guy that knows, he knows all the insides out. He's like, okay, you do it, you do it, you do it. He tried to trap Jesus with a question. Teacher, which is the most most important commandment in the law of Moses. Oh, okay, we got him here. If he says this wrong, you know, we know what the law is. We got him. We got him. And Jesus replied this, verse 37. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Here's what I want you to see. You notice that Jesus says that, yeah, love the Lord your God, all your heart. So not only was it the greatest commandment, did you catch what he said in that? He said it's the first. What's first mean? That's where we start. It's the first you want to have good relationships? You want to have a better relationship? You want to have a better marriage? You want to have better parenting issues? I mean, you want to have a better relationship at work? Where do you start first? Love God. Love God. And then you can love people. Hmm, that sounds kind of familiar. If you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength first, all the other stuff starts coming together. And the stronger the foundation, the more stable whatever it is is built on it, the more stable that building is going to be. But catch this, even before Jesus had said that early in the Sermon on the Mount, he said this. He said, you guys are worrying about all this stuff, what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink and what you're going to wear. You worry about all these things. He said, but if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things will come together. See, a strong foundation, guys, ensures that those other things, when they come, and they will, that we will have what is necessary to stand the test of time. Some of you probably remember a little over a year ago, in June of 2021, the Surfside Condominium Tower in Miami collapsed and killing, just after 1 a.m. in the morning, killing 98 people. Wasn't particularly that old, but they had had warning signs. They needed to do some things. They just didn't do it. I want you to watch this video. And, and this is not time-lapse. This is real time. Watch this video. Twelve seconds. 1.30 in the morning, 12 seconds, that's all the time, all the time it took for that building to completely collapse. And as they started unpiling things, and after they did the recovery and found the, the bodies of 98 people who had died and 15 more that were seriously injured, I don't know how it's only that few, that must have been a condominium for single people, because I can't imagine it wasn't a higher number than that. But then when they started moving the rubble, they started finding all kinds of cracks in the foundation. All kinds of structural issues that had never been addressed. Many of whom, many of which had been covered over. They found a situation where there was a crack that was four inches wide right next to the building. And rather than doing something to fix that or to shore that up, they built a planter over it so nobody would notice it. How many marriages today are putting planters over the cracks? Instead of doing the hard work of trying to fix things. How many times is parents, are we just looking the other way and hoping things get better instead of fixing what is broken? Letting other people get involved. No, we don't want people to know. My kid's in trouble. My grandkid's in trouble. Our marriage is in trouble. I don't want anybody to know. And then we do things like, we, we, you know, then we go to social media like that. Yeah, whoa. Then we go to social media and we go on Facebook and we post unspoken prayer request. How am I supposed to pray for an unspoken prayer request on Facebook? And we do that because we don't want anybody to see our cracks. And when we don't want anybody to see our cracks and we don't want to fix our cracks, something's going to come tumbling down. 
Something's going to fall and hit the ground. The Surfside Condominium, it's no Jenga game, but listen, your marriage, your parenting, your relationships on this earth, they're no Jenga game either. The stakes are high. So, so how much do you want to get well? How much do you want your family situation to get better? You, you, you need to, because we all got cracks, right? You don't think you got a crack? Ask that person that you're living with. Because you're probably the crack. We've all got cracks. So we need to inspect the damage, own our responsibility, and count the cost to fix the damage. Do you want to get well? Here's something you need. This is, nothing will change if nothing changes. And until the pain of staying the same gets greater than the pain of changing, you'll just keep on going. But when it does, you got to figure out how things can get better. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and stand up if you would. Wherever you are in this room, I want you to do some math in your head. Just do a quick calculation in your head. And, and I want you to look at the baptistry over here. And I want you to figure out how many steps is it from where I'm standing to that baptistry? How many steps is it from where I am to the pool of Siloam where people got healed? How long would it take me to get from where I am to there if I haven't been there, if you haven't been there? I want you to think about that. And I want you to consider taking some steps. Now, I'll tell you this, because it's different. It's different. Lou Ann's step number is far different than Glenn Hawkins back here, all right? A far different number. But guess what? The first step is the same for both of them, and it's the hardest one. Because once you get going, and you get that first step and that second step, your momentum will take you to where you need to be. And last week we talked about transformation was possible. You need to understand this. Home renovation is just a few steps away. While we sing, if you need to take some steps, you need someone to pray with you, I'm going to be right over here. And I would encourage you, take some steps. Bobby, you'd be more than willing to talk with you. We got folks. Come on. Give him glory.
Hey guys, thanks for being here today. Remember, if you're going to be traveling next weekend, check us out on Thursday night. If this is your first time here, man, we are so honored that you came uh, to check things out here. We've got a special gift for you. You can either stop at the big orange wall in the lobby that says I'm new or at either one of our welcome tents in front or back parking lot. Uh, and our team would love to meet you there. And you know, ladies, if you reserve Chanda Pierce tickets, you need to see my wife out in the lobby because people are now willing to sell organs to get their hand on one of those tickets, all right? So, like, if you reserve one, you better go get it, because by next week, it might be gone, all right? Because uh, September 16th, we got 700 ladies going to fill this place. It's going to be a cool, cool night, uh, but we're glad you guys are here. So let's get out of here, guys. Let's go love God, love people. Let's go change the world.